Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. This message continues on with the fact that our words matter, but this time we're focusing on how our words matter spiritually too. Through prayer, your words can change circumstances, bring healing, and show God's power in broken situations. Enjoy the message. We are in our fourth week of weight of our words, and today, appropriately, we're talking about the weight of our words when it comes to prayer. How do we pray until something happens? How do we pray uh, to where we see the move of God in and through our life? And so, how many of you, if you were honest, find it hard to pray, all right? I know we've been raising our hands here recently. With, so if you want to, how many of you, I'm holding up my hand. Yes, it is hard to pray, right? Why is it hard to pray? Because there's a number of things uh, that factor in that pull our attention away from prayer. Maybe you've been waiting. You've been praying through your life. You've been waiting. Uh, you've been waiting for that wayward child to come back home. Uh, you've been waiting for your finances to get back. You've been waiting for circumstances that have been adverse uh, to cease, to get out of that season of storm. You've been waiting. You've been waiting. You're like, God, where are you? And so this morning, you, your, your, your thoughts of, of, of going to something in prayer is just a little bit uh, waned. For some of you, you feel like you don't know how to pray. Uh, for some of you, 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 you just have gotten in the routine and you, you do talk to God every day, but it's just kind of dry. Prayer, it's a hard thing to do. For many of you, when you pray, you're, you're ADD. You're so easily distracted. You don't want to think of the laundry ever in your life, but boy, when you get before the throne room of God, you think of every piece of laundry that needs to be done. You think that your gas tank is half full. All these non-consequential things in life, they become really important during the time of prayer. Why is that? Because we have an enemy against our souls that want to stop at nothing from us to be distracted. That want to stop at nothing from us to, to, to be connected to the Lord God Almighty. These last few years have been a gut-wrenching, on-my-knees moment of prayer personally in my life. Uh, as many of you know, uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer over a year ago. Uh, and she passed away uh, this last May. Um, now, this was nothing new for my mom when it came to cancer. Uh, she first had cancer in the uh, late 1990s, in 1998 specifically. I remember coming home from high school, and uh, my parents had a family meeting all together. My dad usually worked in the afternoon, so I knew something was up. They said, we need to have a little family meeting. We need to talk about something, and I, I was bracing for it. What were they going to tell me? And my mom said, well, I have cancer. And uh, it, was, it was colon cancer. We didn't know uh, how uh, serious it was. Um, it wasn't even until recently when, it, when I started looking through my mom's medical records, it was stage three, very serious. And so uh, at that moment, my high school faith became a growing faith by necessity. I got on my knees and started praying to the Lord God Almighty that he would heal my mom. My mom went into surgery. They removed the cancer. Uh, they, they got it all, they said, and over the course of the next six months, she went through a rigorous chemotherapy, lost all her hair, she got weak, but we prayed our guts out, and after a year, they said, I think we got it, but they said, you have to wait to that five-year mark, you have to wait to that five-year mark, and then we'll declare her fully cancer-free, so we got past that one year, we celebrated, we got past that year two, year three, year four, and at year five, we got out, we, we got out the, the streamers, the balloons, she was cancer-free. Only two, just months later, we realized she has cancer again. 
By this time, I'm in seminary. That is, that is grad school for pastors. Uh, and and I'm, I'm asking God why. I'm asking theologians and scholars uh, that are teaching me to understand the Bible. Why? Why is this? And again, I got on my knees and I prayed and said, God, I know that you, are, you're, you, you saved her life before. And I know that you're mighty to save. You can even heal. And we got on, I got on my knees and we prayed for my mom's healing. When my mom came into surgery the next time, they opened her up. They couldn't find the tumor. How amazing is that, right? No chemo, right? We serve a God that said, okay, I'm going to heal her. And for the next 16 years, she did not have cancer. For the next 16 years, she did not have cancer. And then in 20, late 2021, we got word that she had cancer and it was in the kidney. And so I went to the, I got on my knees and I prayed all over again. Okay, I've been here before. It's been a while. I go out to Iowa. We go to the, we go to the, uh, the operating room and I'm like, okay, the tumor could be gone. The tumor could be gone. It wasn't gone. They had to take the whole kidney. But they said, we got it. We got it all. My mom lived another one year, very healthy. She was losing some weight. I thought, wow, you're working out. But it turns out there was more cancer. Uh, we found out again in late 2022 uh, that uh, she had bladder cancer. They said they got it all. But I was on a missions trip in February, and my mom had major, major strokes. I didn't know about it. I was in Europe. She didn't want to bother me about it. That was her that was her personality, but she was having strokes. And when I had, when I, the day back uh, from our missions trip to Europe to launch uh, new gospel ministries around Europe, I got a call saying she can't talk, she can't walk. For the next three months, my mom battled the effects of having six major strokes. My, my brother and sister-in-law uprooted their lives and, and, and helped. My brother was a medic in the military and he used it. This was his calling of, uh, from previous life that God was bringing back up for this season and he helped my mom walk and talk again. We thought she was back on the, on the, on the straight and narrow but it turns out through a, a fluke imagery they found out that my mom, the reason why my mom was having these strokes is that she had 20 tumors in her liver. And because of that, they said, there's nothing we can do at stage four. But there is a place that we can do some experimental uh, uh, cancer treatments. It's in Arizona. And my mom's like, let's go for it. So we went down to Arizona. And only a couple days prior to the beginning of the experimental treatment, she had another horrific stroke. And this is the stroke that would send her on the decline to where she was no longer going to be healed uh, on this earth. We prayed for her healing. But God said, I'm going to heal her differently. I'm going to heal her in heaven. And now she is fully healed in heaven that she passed away last May. I often have people now ask me, Andy, how are you doing? And uh, some people, I'm, I'm like, I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. I, I have my days and I'm sad. I have my days it comes back. But I want you to know this. If I were, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know why God took her. I don't know why he didn't heal her on, on this earth. Uh, you know, the, the phony TV preacher, they'll tell you that she didn't have enough faith and that's why she wasn't healed. And I want you to know whenever you hear that, that's garbage. That's garbage theology. You see, we believe in a God that heals. We are going to, you know, you know when somebody is sick, if I were ever to get sick or you ever to get sick, you know, I've seen this before where people will literally, they'll lay hands on you, they'll pray over you and like, God, we pray for this person. But if you don't want him healed, we understand. I'm like, uh, look, here, here's the deal. We know God is sovereign. We know that God can do what he's going to do, and he's going to do what he wants to do, and we trust him in that. That's what we're going to talk about today. But the reality is this. 
I always told, I, 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 I told a few of our church leaders, if I'm ever sick, do not make excuses for God if he doesn't heal. We know if he doesn't heal, that, that's up to God. But I want you to pray your guts out knowing what God can do. We pray for healing. We pray knowing that God can move mountains. And when he doesn't, we trust in his sovereignty. And so, I stand here today not because I'm strong. I stand here today not because uh, there's something special about me and how I handle grief. I stand here today in the same way that you can stand no matter what situation you find yourself in. And that is getting on your knees and crying out to Almighty God, saying, God, without you, I am hopeless. God, without you, I am busted. God, without you, nothing will, 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 that happens will last. And far too many Christians today, they go through a situation uh, that brings grief, a situation that's, that's hard, and they take it into their own hands. They, take it into their, they, they, they try to live off the fat of their, of their uh, supposed spirituality, and they make a mess of things. I want you to know we are all in that position. We are not strong enough to face what we're going to face in this life. If you're going to succeed and stay steady... If you're, the words that are going to come out of your mouth are going to be waiting for the kingdom of God, I want you to know this. It must start by crying out to God and knowing that you have bold access to pray to the one who spoke creation into being. Without prayer, you're left just with your thoughts. You're left just with your thoughts. You know when people say, my thoughts and my prayers are with you? I, I understand that, you know, it's kind of nice when people are thinking about you. But have you ever thought about this? That if you don't pray, you're just left with your thoughts. Your thoughts of anxiety. Your thoughts of disappointment. Your thoughts of worry. But prayer allowed me to experience the peace that surpassed all understanding. This is not because I'm a pastor or I'm special. No, this is access that every single human being has when they receive Jesus Christ as Savior and when they approach the throne of God by talking to him. He, oh yes, you can, he can hear you this morning. So here's the main idea as we get in. Uh, to, we're gonna be in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10 specifically. Here's our main idea. Your thoughts need prayers. Your thoughts need prayers. Too often we are thinking, thinking through a situation. Too often we're captivated by, by anxious or worry, but it stops just there. Or too often we're like, I'm, I'm thinking of you, I'm caring for you, which is good, but here's the deal. We need prayer. We need the Lord God Almighty in the mix. Because prayer, as we're gonna say this morning, draws you close to the heart of God. Prayer joins you in the activity of God and prayer allows you to live boldly for God. So let's take a look at number one. Why prayer? Prayer draws you close to the heart of God. Again, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's start at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is through his flesh. Verse 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed by pure water. Listen, we have the amazing privilege, the amazing privilege of being able to talk to Almighty God, to talk to the one who spoke creation into existence, uh, the one where the Bible says that he knows every star in the sky and not one of them is missing. You know how many stars are in the sky? 
Astronomers believe that there are one septillion, well, let me get this right, septillion, that doesn't even seem right, that seems like a done. yeah, one septillion, all right? I, the reason I had to look at it is it's a number we don't use. That, that, that's one with 21 zeros behind it. He knows all of them, even when they blow up, even when there's a supernova, and not one of them is missing. And yet, he knows you. The Bible says he fearfully and wonderfully made you in your mother's womb. He knows you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows you. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. He knows you, and you have the wonderful opportunity of going to the one who has your life in the palm of his hands. But without prayer, we're just talking to ourselves. Without prayer, we're just fooling ourselves about how maybe important our thoughts are. Look at verse 19. Therefore, uh, is, uh, let's see if uh, some of you remember this. If there is a therefore, we got to ask, why is it therefore, right? Thank you. There, that, yes, A, you get an A, all right? So it's pointing back to a previous thought. The writer of Hebrews is writing to Christians uh, during a great tribulation of their faith. A, a great trial uh, in their faith, a, a great uncertainty. Many Christians were being killed for their faith. They were literally being ripped apart, literally, for their faith. And the author feared that through this persecution that many Christians would wander from the faith. That many, and in fact, many were at risk of wavering in the faith and saying, you know what, it's just easier to live a cultural ethic. It's, it's, it's easier to live uh, just how the culture lives. And I want you to know, when you hear that, that's not much more different than what we're experiencing today. It is getting harder and harder to be a biblical Christian. It's getting easier and easier to say you're a Christian, uh, but you don't live by the Bible. Or you, don't, you cut out the hard texts. You don't do the hard things. And so, in order for us to live in a growing relationship with Christ and a culture today, we need to guard our hearts, we need to protect our minds and position ourselves in the word of God and by talking to God through prayer. Now the author strives to build up the believers by showing us that Jesus is superior than anything else. There is no one like him. There is no other God but our God and not even Moses and Abraham or any hero of the faith comes close. No angel comes close. Uh, no, 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 no political ideology comes close. No emperor, king, or president comes close. There is no one like our God. No one. And our hope is found completely in Jesus Christ because of his death and resurrection. And because his death is once and for all, just as the believers that were reading Hebrews for the first time, just as much as they could have confidence, we can have confidence to enter in the most holy place, to share our every thought, to share our every request, our every worry, our every anxiety before the Lord God Almighty. Now that most holy place was the, uh, was the holy of holies in the Old Testament temple. It was an inner room that only the high priest can enter and if they uh, entered in wrongly, they would drop dead because they're going before the presence of God. The high priest would only go behind the veil once a year to represent the people and their sins. But when Jesus died on the cross, he was the final and full and perfect sacrifice. No longer do we need a picture of anticipation. Jesus Christ was the fulfillment. 
And when he died on the cross, the veil of the Holy of Holies, the veil of the temple that separated the people from the Holy ripped in two. And when that represented was this, the partial is gone and the fulfillment is here. That is that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, when he rose from the dead, when you place your faith and trust in him alone, you no longer have to go to a location to experience his presence. His presence comes to live in you through the Holy Spirit. So, notice this. Notice this, is that prayer, it's not location-based. We don't have to travel or pilgrimage to somewhere to pray to God and think that we have extra power because we're in a location. The beautiful thing is this, because the veil was torn in two, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in you, which means you can pray anywhere. At any time, in any situation. A few years back, <laughs> some of you might remember this story, but it's bare worth telling it again. Uh, a few years back, I was praying with Graham. I, uh, I, we have our routine. Um, and uh, one of those routines is, uh, you know, having a, one last wrestling match before the end of the night, and Graham always wins. Um, he pins me one, two, three. He thinks he's so strong. Uh, but uh, then, we, then we go into prayer, which Allison's like, Andy, you get them all riled up and you go into prayer. I'm like, I know, it's great, isn't it? So anyway, uh, <laughs> got to get all that energy out. But as we're praying, I, we were praying one night, and he just interrupts me. And he said, Daddy, yeah? When we talk to God, where is he? I was like, well, um, well, he's, he's, we don't see him. He's, he's everywhere. Um, uh, we can't see him, but he does hear us. And he goes, no, Daddy, he's not in this room. He's at the church right now. If we got to pray to him, we got to go to the church. And I said, and I tried to have a theological discussion at, at 730 at night, right, uh, in his bed, right? But it's amazing, isn't it? We laugh at a child that we think we have to go to church to pray. And listen, we, this place should be a house of prayer. It's beautiful because we get to pray together. Uh, but the thing is, you can pray anywhere, all the time. Even when you're driving, just keep your eyes open, right? The Spirit is not location Base, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. In him also you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. I love this passage. You want to know why? Because when you get God, you get the Spirit. The Spirit comes in you. It seals you, which is an act of possession, uh, in, the, in the antiquities, in the, in the days of Jesus, sealing uh, in the early church was an official mark that was placed on a letter or a contract. The, the seal was usually made with hot wax and was placed on the document. And this document was therefore officially identified with being under the authority of whom the seal belonged. Think about this. When you get the Holy Spirit, we often talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But we, we often miss the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And the sealing of the Holy Spirit is this. When he comes to live in you, when you place your faith and trust in him, you know what he's saying? You're mine. He's saying, I got you. I know you. I'm living in you. 
You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. He protects us. He encourages us. He's our helper. He's our advocate. He's our authority. That's why it says elsewhere in Scripture, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And he helps us as we pray. Prayer is powerful, not by what we say, but by whom we're saying it to. When we cast our cares, it's not, mm, I'm going to cast my cares. Mm, I'm going I'm to pray a really good prayer now. I'm, I'm going to give it all my might. No, 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 it's not that. God's like, don't try to impress me. That's what God, you know that? When, when we try to impress God, just know that God is up in heaven saying, don't try to impress me. I want people to be impressed by God working through you. Does that make sense? It's not by what we say or how we say it. It's who we're saying it to. He hears you. Prayer is not location-based. Also, prayer is not based on your credentials. This is so important. Sometimes we think that prayer is only for prayer warriors or, or people that really know how to pray or your grandma. Listen, prayer is for you. If you know Jesus Christ, you have the credentials. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Everybody say, draw near. Draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. It is not by your credentials that you get to God. It's not about how good you are. You know how you get access? You know whose credentials you need? The Lord God Almighty's, Jesus' credentials. Jesus gets you in. Through the shed blood of Jesus, he's the bridge of the people to God because Jesus is God and he brings us to the very presence of God he is our credentials, which means you don't need another person to relay the message. Have you ever done that before where you're like, man, I got something so big. I'm going to ask somebody else to pray for it, which you should. But the reason why you're asking that other person to pray for it is because you think that somehow they have better access to God than you. That's not true. You have the same access. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you have the same access that anybody else has. Don't you for a second think or allow somebody else to say that they have a red line to God. They don't. You have the same access that everybody else does if you have a relationship with Jesus. Let me put it this way. I had the, I've, the, I've had the privilege of speaking around the country um, at conferences, uh, um, to, to different churches, etc. cetera. Uh, and over the years, I've met some very interesting people. <laughs> I've, I've met uh, uh, some uh, very interesting people. Um, and... Uh, I would say some of the most interesting people I've met are the Christian rappers, all right? And so as I've, as I've gone to a number of conferences, I've, I've met some Christian rappers. Uh, in fact, uh, there's a group of rap, rappers who traveled with Lecrae. I got to know them pretty well. One guy's name is DJ Promote. Uh, I got to know DJ Promote well enough to where, uh, you don't remember this, Elias, but uh, he's even been at the house and held you when you were a kid, all right? So, but the thing is, is that DJ Promote is now Lecrae's, uh, um, he's, his, he's his DJ. So when he goes to all these huge conferences, that's, it, that's his DJ. Well, anyway, I got to know these guys as they traveled through town and things like that. It's like, hey, can you, you want to go to dinner? And Sure, great. Um, hasn't happened in years, uh, but I, there was a season where, for whatever reason, I was hanging out with rappers, all right? So I don't, <laughs> and so uh, you couldn't pick the most wrong guy for that, but anyway. Um, and so one time they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to go to, we have this big show. We have this big show in Chicago, yeah? And you're going to be our guest. It's like, what do you mean by that? It's like, well, you get, you know, we get a plus one, which means you can watch the show. You can watch it in the front row. It's, do you want to go? I'm like, sure, I'll go. 
So I went. I went to some theater that had been converted into a concert venue, and it was packed. When I got there, the line, and I'm not joking here, the line literally stretched from the front door down one mile. It was insane. Now, I'm not usually a VIP of rappers and hip-hop artists, okay, and Christian hip-hop artists, right? And so I'm like, what, what am I naturally going to do? I'm going to go to the end of the line. So I'm walking a mile to the end of the line, and then I realize, wait a minute, I got their credentials, my name's on the list. I kind of got scared. Because I'm like, nobody's going to believe me when I go to the front door. <laughs> so I bypass the line. People are me mugging me. It's like, don't worry, I'm on the list. No, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> I get up to the front door of the venue, and it is a big bouncer, all right? The guys that throw you in the middle of the street if you try any shenanigans. He's like, what do you want? It's like, you need to get back to the line. But I, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm on the list. Yeah, right. Get back to the line. My, my name's actually on the list. Andy McGowan, look at the list. Well, I'll be. Got any identification? Of course I got identification. Yeah, sure. Looked really confused, but he said, walk right on in. <laughs> Here's the deal. I didn't know a single lyric that was going to be said that night. Even though I didn't even know half the artists that were going to be there that night. Even though I couldn't dance and listen people hip-hop dance that night I got let in it's not about what I knew or didn't know or knew what to do what mattered was was my name on the list and it was on the list I got up front and I stuck out like a sore thumb all right but it didn't matter I was on the list and when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, it doesn't matter if you think you know how to pray. It doesn't matter how much Bible you know. It doesn't matter if what you're even saying to God is correct, because God will correct you, okay? He's, he's going he's gonna to lead you, right? Here's the deal. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be an expert. Not, not just pastors or people that think they're super spiritual or your grandma or whomever. They aren't the only ones that can go to the throne. Your name is on the list, which means... You get to walk right up and have a front row seat in front of the throne of the living God. And you can give to God all your worries, all your anxieties, everything that's on your hearts, and you're able to meet with him. How awesome is that? How many of you need to hear that this morning? Your name is on the list. You get to speak with God. Hebrews 4.22 says, Therefore, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Oh, people want to pull your assurance down today. There are so many charlatans that call themselves Christians on YouTube that want to place you down here because they want you to need them. I want you to know this right now. You have direct access to God. Never let anybody else tell you anything different. Oh, you need to learn this, that. Go to God. You got access. Now, the phrase draw near in Hebrews 4.22, um, for you English uh, language lovers, oh, you're going to love this. It's in the subjunctive mood, all right? Which describes a potential action. Draw near is a potential action, which means this. The writer of Hebrews knows that although we have bold access, there is nothing stopping you from going to God... Many people don't. It's a potential. It speaks to the point that many will never draw near to God 
even though you have access. Today, we live in a culture where people say, be what you want to be, whatever you want to be. You alone are in control of your destiny. But that's a lie. Christ gives you identity to be personally expressed in a way that honors him. And we are to enter his presence desperate for him. So draw near, oh, I hope we draw near. It is your birthright when you place your faith and trust in Jesus. Because they're sons and daughters of the king. So here's a question. How would your life look different if you stopped trying to live life like you were in control? How would your life look different if your life began to be more one of prayer where you're talking to God more instead of just thinking about it? How would your life be different if your thoughts became prayers? When we go into the presence of God and you start talking to him, it's going to reveal what you believe about him. For some of us, uh, we ask for things that are trivial. God, I pray for my traveling mercies. Listen, here's the deal. We should pray for a safe trip. We do that all the time. But that's about as far as our prayer life goes. Traveling mercies or hedge of protection, right? All these like catchphrases. But what about the person that needs healing? What about the person that, that needs delivered from their addictions? What about the person that if they were to die today, they would not spend eternity in heaven? What about that? Oh man, I've been praying for years and I've given up on that. Well, God hasn't. Keep going. But we can have this mistake to where, you know, we'll, we'll pray for big things, and, uh, but only for a moment. We need to stop treating God like he's some add-on commodity when we just need him or when we feel like we have to do it. We need to know that we actually need him. Make no mistake, we always need him. And breakthrough occurs when we rush to his presence regularly. Do not, do not hold back in prayer. Don't hold back. Rush to the throne of God. Enlarge your view of God. And as you enlarge your view of your need for God, your prayers will, be, will grow bigger and they'll become more frequent. Prayer is not... Uh, Location-based, prayer is not based on your credentials. Prayer is also, uh, it, prayer encourages each other. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some have been in the habit of doing, but encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. We are not to just pray alone, and yes, you can pray alone, you can pray always, right? Anywhere, always. But there's beauty when we pray together. I love it here at Kenosha City Church. There are opportunities to, to pray. We have our prayer team after the service. We have a prayer room before service. Uh, we, we have literally micro prayer groups, our city groups, all throughout the city during the week. We have, we have prayer and worship weeks where we open up the, the doors to pray. But you want to know what? Let's up the ante in prayer just a little bit more. Prayer doesn't need to be a program. Prayer doesn't need to be something to where it's like, okay, we're going to tell you when to pray now, which those are helpful. Prayer needs to be in conversation. Oh man, can you imagine if prayer began to be, let's just stop right now and let's pray. Allowing the spirit of God to allow you to, to take your conversations and pray about stuff. You know what happens if, if, you, if, if prayer began to arrest our conversations? Our conversations wouldn't go off the rails. We wouldn't entertain things that seem spiritual but aren't. Let prayer interrupt your conversations in this church, in your rows, in the parking lot, anywhere and everywhere. But so often people, uh, when they, uh, they don't pray, 
I hear this often because it's like, let's go back to this. They say, I just don't know how, or I don't know how to pray like that other person. Forget about that other person, how they pray. They can be encouraging, but this is not a comparison game. Just talk to God. Prayer is simply talking to God. I remember every Thanksgiving, my family would ask my grandpa McGowan, he's in heaven now, uh, they always ask him to pray. And it was partly, he's the patriarch of the family, sure. But he would never pray out loud in public, ever, except for Thanksgiving. And so, but they, they absolutely loved how he prayed. And we, my, we would just kind of smile when he'd start praying because he could, you know, he, he was a little rusty. But uh, they'd say, he, 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 Grandpa, go ahead and start praying. All right, I'll pray. Uh, Lord, uh, we praise you, thee, art thou for the handeths that prepared us for this food. And uh, we, uh, we, we, although we walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, whenever you start praying that part, I'm like, huh? It's like, uh, we fear no evil because of this great food, thyest, dearest Lord. We beseech thee, amen. <laughs> and that was his prayer every Thanksgiving, right? It was in King James. I don't know why, right? <laughs> or it turns out some of my cousins were like, well, he, we didn't know how to, we didn't know the prayer language. Like the prayer language, prayer language okay, wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about the King James grandpa prays? Like, yeah, I don't know how to pray that way. You don't need to pray that way. You don't need to quote half Psalms out of context, all right? <laughs> you just talk to God. You know, I think the best prayer before, by the way, we should pray before our meals. People, are, I, there, there's, a, there's a new thing going around, you know, like, oh, praying before your meals, that's, that's, that, that's a boomer thing to do. I've heard some of, I was a youth pastor before, I was a lead pastor, and, and so I'm like, hey, hey, a timeout. We have been so blessed in the United States, we don't know what it's like not to have another meal. May we never get to a point where we think that the daily provisions are just gonna happen. Thank God. God, but you know what I love about prayers before meals? <laughs> it's when you pray and you almost forget to pray for the meal because you're just taking time to talk to God. The best prayers are simple, they're sincere, they're direct. Matthew 6, 7 says this, and when you pray, do not empty up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Uh, often people, you know, when they start praying, like, okay, God, I'm going to pray this. Okay, maybe just in case if you didn't hear me, I'm going to pray this. It's okay that you pray things every day. But don't get into some kind of mantra where, like, God, heal, heal, heal. He's like, I heard you, right? Like, we don't need to get into a mantra. We don't, that, that's what the pagans did. And he's like, no, just talk to God. Talk to He's here. It's not some riddle. People often think their prayers have to be long. They can be long, but they don't have to. I know that back to praying over the meals, uh, it's true, isn't it, honey? But uh, that when we were first married and we first had kids, uh, I'd go into these long prayers before meal, and, and then Allison would give me this little tap. Andy, the food is getting cold. Thank God for the food. I'm like, okay, you're right. Now <laughs> I realize prayers don't need to be long. I, look, I love what D.L. Moody says. Some prayers need to be cut short on both sides and set on fire in the middle. Remember when you're praying, also don't do all the talking. Listen, you're meeting with God. You know, if you do all the talking, it's rude, right? You've probably talked to a friend before. They call you up, they start talking, they start feeling your ear, uh-huh, uh-huh, all right, bye. Wait, what? Wait, I had some things to say, right? 
Sometimes when we're going before God and we're, we're laying our soul bare, and we should, but then sometimes we're like, amen, and he's like, whoa, 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 wait. Don't do all the talking. Take time to sense the Lord. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. The best prayers come from a heart full of passion for God. James 5.16 says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Thinking only moves you maybe to human action if your thoughts get out into action. But your thoughts and your plans need the Lord. And when you are bathing a situation in prayer, know that it is only then that God can give divine direction and divine results. Your thoughts need prayers. Prayers draw you close to the heart of God. Secondly, these last two points are rather quick. Secondly, prayer joins you in the activity of God. Prayer joins you in the activity of God. We see the Trinity is active. We serve a triune God, one God, but a Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, three yet one. I said this a lot. You guys could probably say, you could probably say this with me, right? It blows your mind, right? It should. We're finite people. We serve and worship an infinite God. That is a good thing. If God doesn't blow your mind, then how big is our God, right? And so when we pray, we see, that this, we see the Spirit interprets. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he searches our hearts to know the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When we pray, we are to give up control and let God have control. When we talk to God, uh, it can seem at times that he's silent, but he is listening. He is active, uh, but he knows our very words are coming out of our mouth. But it goes beyond this. He knows the groanings of our hearts. He knows what is weighing us down. Even when you pray and the prayers that are coming out are not English, what I want you to know is the Spirit understands what you're trying to say. The whole trinity is involved. The spirit interprets. Secondly, the son intercedes. Romans 8, 34. Who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised and is also at the right hand of God who intercedes for us. That is so huge. Jesus, right now, is at the right hand of God the Father in the trinity, interceding, that means praying for us. When we pray, Jesus is interceding for us. When we pray, Jesus is like, hey, son and daughter, blood bought uh, from the cross, resurrection, believing, son and daughter. Jesus has put your prayers in the view of the Father. And the result is this. Did you know that Jesus is interceding for you right now? We don't need anybody, anything else to intercede for us. Some people are enamored by angels. Angels are biblical, they're true, they're helpful, but we don't have a lot of revelation on that because they're not to take our attention. They're doing the work of God, right? But we need to know God. And God is the one interceding for us. You see movies where, oh, this angel intercedes. No, 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 focus on God, Jesus, right? We're, going, we're, we're shooting for the works. Jesus is interceding for you. I, I love this quote by Robert Murray. If I could hear Christ praying for me right and for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. If you could hear the voice of Jesus interceding for you right now, would you fear a million enemies? No, you wouldn't. And so when we pray, Jesus gave us a template to pray. We pray like this. 
Let's back up here a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus is interceding for you. And he's interceding to you, to the Father. The third, we've gone through the whole trinity now. Matthew 7, 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one seeks finds. The one who knocks the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks for the bread, will give him a stone? Or asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If then you are, who are evil, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The Father. This is who we get a front row seat with. The Trinity is active when we're praying. And we see here is that seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. This isn't some name it or claim it. Pray this and pray it a certain way and the blessings of heaven will come down and all the desires of your heart uh, will be met. No, listen, you may have heard that. Then usually there's a telephone number and they want you to give you all your bank account, right? Right? <laughs> right? You've seen that before. That's not what this verse is saying. Uh, Jesus isn't some, you know, rub the Bible like a genie's lamp and get your wish. When we pray to God, we're not asking God, we are asking God to do things, but that's not the end result. We don't ask God to get stuff. We go to God to get God. Who knows all. Who knows what's best in his symphony of sovereignty. You know, someone may say, well, if God the Father knows everything, then why should we even go to him in prayer? Isn't it a waste of my time and his time? Eh, wrong. You aren't there to change God. Prayer is there to change you, realign you into the will of God. So many people are not walking in his will and his plan because they're not talking to God. When we realize that we get to be with the Father when we pray, prayer moves from being me-focused to God-focused. And when you become God-focused, I want you to know this, the doors open up and you begin to walk in the will of God. So here's the model of the ingredients of a balanced prayer life. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 9. I was mentioning this earlier. I got ahead of myself. Here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Our Father in heaven. Some of you may have memorized this in different translations. If you grew up in church or took catechism, you may know this in heart. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debtors as we also have forgiven our debtors, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For you have forgiven others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well, but if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. What we see here has been dubbed the Lord's Prayer, that God, his name is holy. When we go before the Lord God Almighty, we need to know we are going before the one who knows everything, who deserves our the respect of being God. He's fully in control. He is king. And when we go before him in prayer and we put our heart on the table, we are literally saying, God, I trust you. Your name is holy. Secondly, your kingdom come, which means not my kingdom, not my understanding, but your ways, God, may they come. May I live differently. May I live not for this world, but your world. Your will be done, not exactly the way that I want it, but God, I want to live according to your word, according to your plan. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I realize that everything you've given to us is on loan to us by your grace. Forgiveness. We see forgiveness and we need to ask for forgiveness of our sin. Forgive others. And thank God that he's forgiven us. 
And then finally, pray that we won't fall into temptation. Those are ingredients of a balanced prayer life. How many of us only go to God in a really hard situation, which you should, give him your request, which you should, but that's the only thing you give him. You're missing out on the beauty and majesty and the peace that surpasses understanding. You can give God all these uh, worries and anxieties and then then go on to your business, but I want you to know is God wants you to give your worries and anxieties to him. He wants you to verbally tell him these things, but then he just wants your attention for a moment. Prayer joins in the activity of God, and finally, prayer allows you to live boldly. In the book of Acts, we see this. In the book of Acts chapter 4 specifically, we see uh, Peter and John, they were spreading the gospel and they healed a beggar. And the religious authorities didn't like it, specifically the Sadducees. The Sadducees was a, a religious sect that didn't believe in the miracles. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so when they would talk about the resurrection of Jesus, they got really, really offended. And so they said, hey, you need to stop talking about that stuff. And so they basically arrested them. Peter's response in Acts 4.8 was, then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, what means he was healed, what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus of Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. The authorities are like, hey, stop it. We're arresting you. We're going to hear your cause. Big crowd shows up. And we're like, oh, great. Another opportunity to share the gospel. They shared the gospel. And what we see in Acts is more and more people place their faith and trust in Jesus. They notice that um, they have some kind of, their message is way too powerful. We can't arrest them. There's going to be a mob here now because a bunch of people gave their life to Christ. Hey, okay, fine. The Bible says they threatened them and said, do not talk about this any longer. Their response Acts 4.19, but Peter and John replied, which is right in the eyes, God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. And then Peter and John went back to the church. And we see this in Acts 4.29. where They recounted everything that happened in the church who had been praying uh, for the release of Peter and John. This is their response. Now, Lord, consider their threats and grant your servants may speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing signs and wonders performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place they were assembled was shaken, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak the word of God boldly. Make no mistake, boldness comes from a heart of humility and dependence on our all power for God. But we need to stop just talking empty words and thinking empty thoughts. We need to go before the Lord God Almighty, allow the Holy Spirit to fill us in ways to where the place shakes. Man, I would love it to be in a prayer meeting where the place would just shake. And I'm not talking about a random earthquake. I'm talking about the earthquake that God is going to provide through your life as through the boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit that is literally being unleashed because he was spent time with God in prayer is being unleashed into this city. It's being unleashed to every single area of your life. Your words have weight. And the most beautiful thing is this. Our words can be directed to God and God directs our words to the Holy Spirit in power. But too often we don't go by that equation. Too often we let our words fly. We go by what we want. We go by our passions which are not from the Lord and we make a mess of things. What prayer does, it realigns pure prayer, humble prayer, realigns our hearts to the Lord. 
People can say, look, 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 look here, here's the deal. We're going to talk about excuses next week. But never use prayer as an excuse or a byword. I prayed about it. You know, like when, when someone comes to me, hey, you know, Andy, I made this big decision in life, and, and sometimes they're just absolutely terrible decisions, and then they end it with, I prayed about it. <laughs> it's like the guy that went up to the girl and asked her for a date and said, God told me that we're getting married, right? Bad idea, don't do that. Well, listen, here's the deal. Never say, I prayed about it to get out of a conversation. Never say, I prayed about it, saying that you can't be examined or challenged. Prayer isn't a weapon to get your way. Prayer is something to humbly get on your knees and say, God, I want your way. Here's our take home. How is your prayer life right now? Scale one to 10. How is your prayer life? This week as you pray, I want you to pray that God would make you bold. That God would make you bold. Bold to pray. That prayer interrupt conversations even. Bold to share, just as we saw uh, with Peter and John, that even in their adversity, they still share the excellencies of Jesus Christ. And bold to obey. And one more bonus. This isn't name it or claim it, but I don't want to have the flip side of the error and never ask God for things. What's your bold prayer? It might be a prayer that God wants to realign your heart and saying, hey, no, actually this wouldn't be good for you. Or it might be something that's like, okay, not right now, but in a little bit, yes. But for some, this bold prayer, God was like, I was just simply waiting for you to ask. What's your bold prayer? Because your thoughts need prayers. Liam Bound said this, four things let us ever keep in mind. God hears prayers. God heeds prayers. God answers prayer. God delivers by prayers. Father, we pray that we would be people that are never not dependent on you, but that we would depend on you by talking to you, praying to you, leaning in, and being obedient to you. Father, I pray for those that are struggling today, you're, you're feeling distant. God, I pray that they would not grow weary in talking to you. And God, make us a people of prayer. God, help us, even in our Christian life where things we've been doing the outward motions well. God, maybe even people have a reputation of being really, really spiritual. God, I pray that that would not be a covering for things that haven't been going on in the heart. And so, Father, I pray today that you would make an inside change that would reflect on the outside. Do that today. As we continue to pray, I just want to say, if there's anybody in this room today and you realize, man, God has been far because I don't know him. Today, I want to make sure that as you leave this place, that you know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's how you can know. Jesus Christ made you have a relationship with him. But you sinned. We've all sinned. We've all done wrong. We've been separated from Almighty God. And there's nothing we can do, no religion, no good work to get us to God. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need our advocate, Jesus, who came to this world 2,000 years ago to die on the cross, to take on your sin before the Lord God Almighty, God the Father. And he paid for your sins, past, present, and future. Because Jesus is a perfect sacrifice, his sacrifice didn't need repeated. He was sinless. 
which means death couldn't keep him. Death is the result of sin. Well, Jesus is sinless. He took on your sin. Because he's sinless, he defeated sin, and he rose from the dead. And the Bible says, if you want this new life of forgiveness, eternal life forever in heaven, and life that starts now with the fullness of the Spirit, you need to give your life to Jesus right now. Surrender. If that's you, you know that you have not given your life to Jesus. You've not surrendered to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today's your day. With every head's bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today, you're like, today, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus, to place my faith and trust in him alone. That he died for my sins, that he rose from the dead. I want to follow him. If that's you on the count of three, just simply look up at me, okay? You're just indicating what God's doing in your heart, right? You ready? One, two, three. Just look up right now. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to say yes to him. Like I am surrendering to Christ today. Thank you. Thank you. Father, thank you for those that are saying yes to you today. Thank you for those that are placing their faith and trust in you alone. Lord Jesus, pray that their faith would only be in Jesus Christ and in your death and resurrection. Father, make us a praying church, not only when we program it or there's a space for it, but that we be people of prayer. We lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it is our honor to be a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. If you became a Christian today, your next step is baptism. Baptism is when you go public with your faith in Jesus as a symbol of going from an old life into a new one. If you would like to find out more about baptism, all you have to do is go to kenosha.church events. Beyond that, if you want to know more about your next steps as a new Christian, all you have to do is go to kenosha.church slash next steps.